0: (laughs) Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host Heather Fox. Hi everyone and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area we're here to inform educate parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I am 42 and I have two sons, Alexandre and Nathan, making me a busy mom of two under two. So it is the most wonderful time of the year, they say. That's right. It's September and back to school. So today we have two teachers with us. And Heather will be uh, bringing her own expertise around little ones as we talk about keeping children engaged in learning. Hi everyone. So Heather Fox here and I am the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41
1: years old and mum to Hudson, who is a year and a half. Hi,
2: I'm Stephanie James. I'm a 37 year old mother of Kennedy, 14 months,
3: just returned to the classroom to teach a grade two, three class this year. Hi, I'm Deb Vanderwood, and I am a kindergarten grade one teacher and a mother to four and a half year old Jackson.
0: Well, thank you, ladies. I'm going to start with Heather today. Heather, with your experience working and teaching young children and parents, how did you engage such a young children in learning?
1: Yeah, so in my experience with Jimbery playing music, um, it offers programs for newborn through to five-year-olds. So people are like, what is a newborn going to do in a program type thing? Um, And the idea really was to Kind of support parents in kind of understanding their child's development and how to support that child's development and showing them how to play with their children and really engage with them. Um, At Gymboree, they focus on the whole child. So we're not just working on the gross motor skill, we're not just working on social skills. It was kind of everything social, emotional, cognitive, gross, fine motor skills. Kind of the whole gamut and of course it was very much based on those developmental stages so if it was a newborn class we were simply working on things like eye tracking auditory stimulation and of course getting the parents to be right in front of their little ones using lots lots of facial expression and lots of you know different sounds that they could make with their voice or maybe we did bringing props in there so their little ones could be following it um, so just really engaging and interacting with their child and in turn they're bonding with their children and that's really really what sets up for fantastic learning throughout the rest of their lives. Which age
0: group were you teaching? So that first,
1: that newborn, that Mm -hmm. newborn class is a zero to six months. So, and it's amazing what children are actually doing in that super duper early age, right? so parents like, they're just lying there. I don't need to do anything with them. But that's such an actual very important stage to really develop that bond so that your children becomes more confident within themselves and in turn now wants to start exploring the world around them. And you'll see that development start to happen as your little one does get more confident. They do start engaging with other people than other babies and start really kind of exploring outside of just right there with you so you want to see that Um, and definitely learning through play is how it happens so bringing toys and it doesn't have to be an educational toy it can be a ball it can be a balloon it can be bubbles it doesn't have to be anything fancy it can be the cardboard box Um, it's all about just kind of getting down to your children's level and being with them and following their lead that's always a really important thing we used to talk about is following the lead of the child Every child has a different learning style, which definitely they talk about a lot more during elementary school or in high schools and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you as an adult might know more what kind of a learner you are. And we want to kind of, acknowledge that our children are all still learning in different ways and there's going to be that child that's going to be right up there with the teacher and right in with all the other children and there's going to be the children that kind of hang back and observe a little bit more but then the next thing you know they're kind of mimicking everything they just saw and they just want to do it in their own time. Um, I remember there was an activity that we used to do at one of our classes that the one little child she never ever did it in class but then one day you know the parent was out, out and about and They said the word freeze. And in this game, the children would put their hands on their head. Well, this little girl never did it in class, but out they were near traffic. And the mom said, freeze. And the girl stopped, put her hands on her head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she just realized how much learning was happening, but it doesn't need to happen. like You don't physically need to see it for them to be actually getting it. So that's why exposing your children to have that time to be with other children, to be with other parents, to really let them have that freedom to be creative and um, to really explore and let them make mistakes and have those falls and kind of, yeah, truly learn through play. And a parent will learn so much by getting down and playing and bonding with them that you're just going to see this whole other world open up.
0: Thank you. And uh, for you, Debbie, what do you do to keep your student interested in learning?
3: I think very much, um, similar to what Heather was saying, if you know your children and where they are, um, developmentally, what their interests are, it's easier to plan activities that keep them engaged. Um, so very much student led and, um, following their lead. So looking at their cues, whether it is something they're engaged on and keep on going, or do we need to change it up? Um, just really watching and establishing that relationship so you know the kids and, um, where they are and what they're interested in so that it is easy to keep them engaged in learning, making it fun, learning through play, um, all those things. And a lot of times they don't even know that what they're doing is learning. They're just having fun at school and learning while they're doing that.
0: And for you, uh, Stephanie, as a teacher, what do you do to keep your student interested into learning?
3: It's
2: exactly along the same line as what Heather and Debbie said, uh, keeping it along their interest level, keeping it fun, uh, keeping short time intervals. You know, it's, you know, keeping them engaged um, in their learning and kind of reading the cues. And, you know, even for me at the grade two, three level, you know, if the kids are doing an activity at their desk, um, going for a body break, taking them outside, doing a little uh, run around the playground or run around the field um, letting them play on the playground for a little bit of time and having that time for them to interact with each other and socialize and, uh, and not have any rules and restrictions of games and teacher telling them where to go and what to do and this is how you do it. They, you see a lot of creativity. You see a lot of uh, great socialization. And if you don't, you can address it right away, you know, on the playground, in the classroom, giving them that time to... Uh, have success and and not always have success but learn from that as well. Grade two three level you know a lot of games you know with math it's not sitting down and working with a workbook at you know at night for an hour at the kitchen table. It's playing those math games with dice or with a deck of cards. it's uh, reading books that they enjoy you know if the, if uh, if my students are into, Graphic novels, or comic books, or magazines—that's great. Like whatever they want to read, they read. It's getting that love of reading and and really encouraging what they're into. Uh, we do something called Genius Hour in the classroom, which is really cool. And it's it's them telling it's them learning about what they want to. You know, we have a curriculum that the government sets out for us, uh, but Genius Hour gives them an opportunity to pick absolutely any topic under the sun, and they research it and learn more about it and present what they've learned to their classmates. So it's really getting them engaged and interested and motivated. And, uh, you know, if you can see that your class is really motivated towards one subject or really interested in what is given by another student, then you f- you follow that lead and and you make that part of what's going on in the classroom. Um, just, yeah, just really following the kids' leads and keeping it
3: fun and keeping them moving. And mm-hmm. I think you said something to that um alludes to it like keeping it authentic. So we're not reading um because we're learning to read necessarily, mm-hmm. but we're learning we're reading real books and we're writing for real audiences and real purposes. It might be writing to persuade the principal of letting us have Pokemon cards at school. Yes. But they we try to make sure that they see that there's a real purpose for what they're learning and that often helps keep them really engaged. That's great. I think as a mom, something that I actually um, always try to do with my
0: son is, um, maybe it's a little bit of conscious parenting, but uh, I created a, a world that I don't have to say no for everything, right? So I m- remove the things around then he actually can explore everywhere. He can walk around. I did a lot of lunches, invited moms, so he actually can be exposed to have a lot of little children or different ages around him. I think to uh, help a little bit with future anxiety, because when all the sudden you go to school or daycare or other like places like that they've never been exposed to having a lot of kids around them it can be overwhelming and we do hear a lot about anxiety with children right now I think much more than before so one of the thing that I have really done with my son is to um, expose them to a lot of things um, another thing that I have done is I have limited the screen time a little bit, but not completely. Like I'm a big Helen fan and I do watch Helen every day with my son. Sometimes he watch and sometimes he actually doesn't at all. So, and for the rest of the day, the TV is off and we do other things. I like to do unstructured play and, but we started so young to do this. I think it helps so much, right? I definitely working with really little
1: ones. The children that did start early and started playing with their parents early and kind of did more, definitely. I saw a huge difference than those parents that kind of waited till their
0: children could walk to really play. (laughs) Yeah, I think you have to start ahead of time, right?
1: And uh, just oh, sorry, a saying that we would always say was like, "You don't not talk to your child because mm-hmm. they can't speak, mm-hmm. right?" So that's yes. so you want to do all those things they can't do because they are avid sponges, just watching and learning and
3: taking it all in. And so. you were modeling the playing. Yeah, yes. you were showing how to put the blocks yes. even before he could do that. And yes. then when he was ready, he was there and he did it because exactly you already
0: seen it so many times.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and another, another thing that I've done a lot it's talking with him. And of course, I'm a French Canadian mom, so I speak French to my son. So my son's hearing a lot of English and he's hearing a lot of French. So when I'm by myself or even when my husband is around, I actually speak French with him. I try to speak and sing in French to him too. And I read in French to him. I'm getting him exposed as much French as I can and I know when I take him to baby story time at the library well it's in English so then he's getting exposed to the English world out there and I'm really aware that um, in his little brain there's probably a lot of registering happening there and a lot of he's recording all this and uh, eventually it's going to pop out as two languages well anyways that's what we're working towards something else that I'm really careful with is my body language and when he does something or if we do something to always keep it positive so when we go to the first time I had to drop him off at daycare yeah my heart was broken but I didn't go and says, are you okay? You know, like mommy is not too happy to drop you off. You know, it was like, this is a fun thing. This is what we're doing today. We're going to daycare and you're going to go just for an hour because we're doing slow introduction. It all comes from us. And I think, uh, I'm hoping it makes a big difference in his life. I anyway, know. So I know as a mom, that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm always uh, trying to keep in my head and, and working think- hard.
3: As teachers, we probably, that's one big thing that we do to keep kids engaged is we're interested in what we're doing. And we show that we have an enthusiasm and that we love what we're doing and that we love learning. So whenever we're doing something, we have to show that we're um, interested in it so that they can stay engaged too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, being attentive goes very far, right? Mm -hmm. You love it, they will love it. They feel your energy, your space, and you're providing to them, right? That leads us to my next question. What do you guys think? I'm thinking about my two teachers here. What do you guys think about iPad and children learning?
3: I think in our society, it's something that definitely has to have a role, and we can't avoid it. Um, So I think as long as we're really um, careful and critical of how we're using it and how we're having our kids use it, that there is definitely a place for learning for the With the iPad,
2: yeah, I agree completely. It's uh, it's talked negatively a lot. I know with moms and stuff, and you you see the kids playing with the iPhone or with the iPad, but you never know what's going on, whether it's an educational game or, um, you know what they're doing on it. And I I know in our classroom, it's heavily encouraged. I've been involved with a lot of tech stuff with uh with the school district and introducing different ways to do different apps with the kids. And uh, everything from writing to reading to um, now even um, just coding and stuff is, is becoming huge um, from kindergarten upwards. It's going to be, this going to be their future. You know, everything is going to be technology. And if we don't introduce it in the correct way in the classroom, then they're not going to have that literacy, that tech literacy that they need. You know, they can still do pen and paper and do all the regular activities. But having that iPad there is so very important.
3: Um, I think it's a tool that we can't ignore, that we mm -hmm. have to take advantage of, and and it could be a really valuable tool for learning. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys uh, keep
0: your student interested, engaged? Keeping it
2: fun, keeping it in their interest level, right? Whatever they're interested in, you go with it. They write about what they're interested in. They read what they're interested in. you know, With things such as Genius Hour, they're presenting things that they're interested in. And also keeping them moving, right? You know, not necessarily in every activity, but keeping throughout the day, keeping your kids, even at home, you know, parents with their kids on the weekend, going to the park, going to the playground, riding their bikes, because no matter what you try to engage them in, whether it's their interest level or not, if they're not moving, if they haven't got the beans out and been running around and getting that extra energy out, then they're not going to be ready to kind of settle down and focus and and be able to, you know, learn what uh, what you'd like them to.
3: I think, like you said, we have a curriculum and that we are mandated to teach it. But the great thing about our new curriculum is it's very much open so that teachers do have that license to follow children's lead and follow their interests. And it's very inquiry-based, so we can figure out what the kids are wondering about, what they have questions about. So the, once again, the learning is authentic. And when we follow that lead, they are more easily engaged. Great. So do you have
0: any tips on how to keep their children engaged in learning at home?
3: I think very much just keeping it fun and making what you're doing with them enjoyable. So if anything becomes a power struggle, it's probably not going to be worth continuing with it and also realizing that they've had a full day at learning at school So Mm -hmm. they've spent a lot of time really working hard at school, and so they might need that downtime at home, giving them some free unstructured time, and keeping it following their interests again, like letting them read for enjoyment, reading with them, um, not necessarily sitting down and practicing drills and skills but you know giving them a chance you're able to work on math and reading but as you go about your daily tasks helping you know they can help you make a grocery list they can help you at the grocery store by counting out 12 bananas or whatever it may be it doesn't have to be sitting and going through a workbook and having them see you be interested in learning right having
2: them see you reading your book whether it be a novel or a magazine or whatever you enjoy reading you know having them Uh, see you read, you know, during silent reading or reading periods in my classroom, I sit at my desk quite often and I take out a book and, you know, read five to 10 minutes, Uh, you know, being out on the playground, playing on the playground with them and being positive, having that positive energy, right? We've talked before about interacting with, uh, with your son, Alex, you know, having lots of people around and having, you know, him interact with lots of different kids. And it's the energy you put out, right? When you teach, You need to be positive and and engaged in what you're teaching, enjoying what you're teaching, or else the kids aren't going to care about it. They're not going to want to be engaged. Same as being a parent, right? You know, every single interaction that you have with anyone when you have your child with you, You want that not necessarily have to be positive and bubbly all the time, but they're watching how you interact with them and they're going to mimic that along the way. Right. So being the best role model, you know, not only at home, but in the classroom and on the playground and in the grocery store and at the library and
3: everywhere that you can be. Letting them see you struggle with your learning too. Like maybe there's something that you find hard and sharing that with them. And then how did you deal with it? And how did you overcome? Because we know there's going to be struggles that they're going to face in their learning. And we want them to be able to deal with it and be able to get through it. So I think that's a huge piece too. I like that very much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: um, one thing that we've always kind of talked about, especially with the younger age set, parents are the child's first teacher, mm-hmm. and so that's where we would really encourage the parent to get down and be a puppy dog with their child. Get down and you know make animal sounds or be silly, because if the child is down and pretending to be, say be a dog, and the parents just standing there on their phone there's no engagement there there's no learning happening and the child's gonna be like what am I doing like mom's not doing that so it must not you know they look to you like they if you're being a puppy dog and wagging your tail and being all silly they're gonna be like cool look what mom's doing like I can do that too or look what dad's doing so really thinking about that and really getting down at their level and playing with them As they get older, maybe, and I know my husband's looking forward to this, playing Lego with their child. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He is like, I'm sure
0: he's just like, okay, when is he old enough for Lego, honey? (laughs) I think it's reinforcing a little bit, like, whatever they're doing is great. And it must actually even provide some self confidence. Yes. Because then they know what they're doing is great. Mom and dad are doing it. We're having so much fun together. And it can go from one thing to the other. That's and exactly, like, it's that confidence. Um, and I kids. think too, um, keeping activities maybe half an hour, not too long, right? And moving to the other one, and especially for little ones, right? I'm sh- I'm sure as we get older, you guys, student, can actually probably uh, work a little longer on on projects. Specifically, Absolutely. they're really invested into it and they're really interested. Be real, be I know, yourself. Well, our mm-hmm. lives
1: are so busy these days. I mean, it's so important to spend that time with our children when we can, and if that means half an hour of
0: quality time. And that's fantastic. And if that's all you have time for, that's great. Another thing I have done too is when my mom is here, I love letting her teaching stuff to my son because it's not only me. As a parent, so there's my husband is awesome to be like down on his knees and having fun with him, and then as my mother comes around, and then Heather's spending a lot of time with my son too, and she's like playing with him. And because I think as a mom or as parents, we all have a little different ways of doing things, and I think it's all good. So I love when my son's learning new things from other people, Mm -hmm. other parents around, and I think that's a really good uh, way to uh, contribute to his own self-learning. Actually. Thank you, ladies, for being here and doing this. That was fantastic. All right, Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card.
3: It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more, too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week.
1: Can you please read that to us? All right, so we have a little game that we play where we have a little card and it's Totally light and fun, so not to worry. All right, so if you could rename yourself, what new name would you choose? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Oh my goodness! When I was little, anyways, I don't know if I would want to do it now, but I always wanted to be Teresa. Teresa. <laughs> Was it because I'm mother, Teresa? No, no. So I named my doll Teresa. That was about as close as I could get.
0: That's so funny.
1: I have no idea because I don't like it enough that I would actually now name a child Teresa. (laughs) But growing up, that was, yeah, I wanted to be Teresa.
2: You know, the first thing that comes to mind is Charlotte. My um, Oma was named Charlotte, and my mom always, forever, for the last 30-something years, has talked about how she wanted to name me Charlotte. Um, Kennedy Charlotte James is my daughter, so, you know, I I, I couldn't have the name, but uh, she now
3: does, so. That's a hard one, I think. (laughs) My son right now is obsessed with Wonder Woman. (laughs) And so he knows that when she's not Wonder Woman, she's Diana Prince. So I can only come up with Diana. Yes, that's great. Um, As a really young
0: child, I remember loving the name Frederick. For whatever reason, I love Frederick and I should be called Frederick. So I don't know why. But as I grew a little bit, as I got got a bit older, uh, my dad always called me Maya. Maya. So my dad, I'm actually Maya for my dad. And the reason why is there's this French show. It's a little bee and her name is Maya. And Maya goes around and things happens to her. She always gets beaten up and poor Maya. But she's strong and she will conquer the the world of all those flowers. And, you know, and she jumps around everywhere. So it it was my name, Maya. My dad always called me me Maya. Yeah. And he still actually today called me Maya. That's so cute. Yeah. I love that. All right, ladies. That concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Stephanie, Debbie, and Heather, for taking the time to be here and for your contribution in other parents' lives, helping us be the best parents we can be. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca so you don't miss an episode. Please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know what you think. And remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and good luck this week. Bye!
3: The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of parent talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.